0: All episodes of the Garage Build podcast are recorded live in the Law Fran Studios, the law offices of Fran Hosh, Palm Harbor, Florida. Call 1-866-LawFran or go to lawfran.com. The law offices of Fran Hosh, serving the Tampa Bay biker community for over 20 years. Welcome back to the Garage Build Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Hallman. I've got a very awesome guest today, Miss Cash Crawford, Nashville recording artist. She has a new song coming out here at the end of the month that you can, uh, we'll talk all about it, but you'll be able to pre, pre-download that and pre-save it, I think they call it, on Spotify. So... I uh, want to say thank you to our sponsors, the Arlen Nest Motorcycle Company. You will save 10% and receive free shipping in the lower 48 when you use the code GARAGEVILLE10 on all of your orders at arlenness.com. We're also brought to you by Bell Helmets USA. Follow at bell helmets underscore power to see the latest in helmet design and safety and see your local bell helmets dealer to order your new bell helmet today we're also brought to you by electric lighting featuring top shelf leds backed by 30 years of cutting edge industry leading manufacturing and the best warranty in the business use your discount code speed 2022 for free shipping in the lower 48 on all orders over 50 bucks at custom or nams custom cycle products.com uh as always i am Donned in fresh 1620 workwear. Premium made in the USA workwear guaranteed for life. Visit 1620usa.com and use our code speed2022 in Garageville Podcast. Listeners will save 20% at checkout. Also follow them at 1620 on Instagram. The High Seas Rally. Join us this December, or excuse me, October 29th through November 5th on the High Seas for the only motorcycle rally on a cruise ship. One week, 3,500 bikers and four. Caribbean ports, what could go wrong? This year we're including the drink card for free. Use the code Metal when you book and you're gonna save a hundred bucks on your cabin price. Team Dream Rides in, Dennis, in Tennessee, in Maryville, Tennessee, is that area's top independent V-twin shop. They specialize in performance engine upgrades, used bike sales, service, maintenance, and repair. Visit teamdreamrides.com. Make sure you're following Dream Rides Tennessee on Instagram, check out their used motorcycle inventory, or to purchase your next performance parts.
1: You're listening to the Build Podcast with your host, Jason Holman.
0: Ah, uh, Miss Cash, how are you? Are we doing well today?
1: Good. Yeah, we're doing really well. We're just uh, we're just chilling, chilling at awesome. home. It's nice.
0: You have a big month here. Uh, you have a new single that you're releasing, um, and I got to hear it, and it's pretty awesome. It's called "Save Myself." I dig it. It's awesome.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I'm um, I'm pretty proud of it. Um, it's a big song for me. I think.
0: Yeah, well, it should be because instantly I, you know, I'm, I, uh, I fancy myself as somebody that listens to, a, I listen to a lot of classic rock, a lot of classic country. Yeah. Um, I, I listen to some of the newer country. I actually like a lot of the new, like the country hip hop stuff. I don't know what the correct delineation is out, but I, I love like struggle Jennings and jelly roll and those guys too. And I know those are all Nashville acts, just like you are. You're a transplant from Canada, right?
1: Yep. I sure am
0: and I hear so much of the, kind of the Southern rock, kind of a little bit of Fleetwood Mac in in what you do. And I, I heard that first, and then I was downloading as many things as I could and kind of, kind of milling around online. And I saw that Stevie is a song that you wrote to, or about one of your heroes, Stevie Nicks.
1: Absolutely. Um, it's kind of just about all of the things that the questions that I'm sure she'll feel very bombarded with when I uh, when I get to meet her and just, you know, some things that if I ever got a chance to um, to spend some time with her, some things that I'd, you know, some l- pieces of life advice that I would love to have her bestow up on me if she feels so inclined.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right now there's so there must be like um y- y- when you're in, you know, like when I, I'm in the motorcycle business, right? And so it's, I'm in the yep. custom motorcycle business. So I get to meet, I get to meet a lot of my heroes. And um, yeah. in the, in the, is it the same in the music business? Do you get these opportunities to meet your heroes in like different spaces to where you're not like at an event where everybody's there and there's the gen pop that's there too, where it's like, it's music people. So everybody's got to kind of chill out a little bit and real and not fan, you know, fangirl so much.
1: I think, I mean, it depends on the the situation and the people. I haven't had a chance to meet a ton of like big, huge, famous names yet, but I gotta say, a lot of my heroes are some of the people that I play down on Broadway with. So I get to spend time with them all the time. So, you know, that's a that's a bit of a tough grind down there. And um, I think the people that play down there are heroes in their own right. So. I get to actually work with a lot of them that I haven't met like the fam- the ones that are famous names as of yet. I may, there's a few that I may not be able to control myself in my have <laughs> <laughs> fangirl.
0: Right. Stevie Nicks I, obviously I, being I, one of them, right? I would assume.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, Stevie is for sure one of them. I feel like Chris Stapleton would be one. Garth Brooks, I don't know what's going to happen if I ever meet Garth Brooks. <laughs> I may just pass right out.
0: <laughs> Talk about somebody who's had quite the, quite the career arc. I can remember um, in the 80s, uh, I was, you know, in high school and I remember like the country thing, you know, I grew up in Detroit, so, you know, we had Motown and yeah. then we had, you know, Bob Seeger and Kid Rock wasn't around yet in the eighties, but, uh, he and I are about the same age. And so you yeah. had like, you know, the MC five for the, for the punk rock guys and the stooges for the punk rock guys. And, you know, there was this Detroit was like this really, really awesome music place. And then, um, you know, you would always hear about somebody you know, Oh, somebody saw Bob Seeger over at this pizza hut or something like, or Ted Nugent was driving down the road in his Corvette super fast or something. So it's, it's gotta be kind of a little bit, um, there has to be some sightings I would imagine somewhere in, in the Nashville area, but it seems like once they pluck out, you don't really hear about them being on, on uh, it's Broadway is really kind of the main street right there in Nashville, right?
1: Yeah, and Broadway, I feel like a lot of the um, celebs don't come down on Broadway just because it, it gets a little too crazy down there, and I think that they would be a little bombarded. But, um, I mean, there's certainly sightings. There's um, I've accidentally stole Vince Gill's toast once at a restaurant I like, was <laughs> sitting right next to him at a bar, <laughs> like a breakfast bar, and, and totally took his toast thinking it was mine. Um, you know, I've bumped into, like, the Lady Antebellum uh, crew and nice. Casey Musgraves and Maren Morris, but... I just at a random show that I was at, and I mean, it just it kind of like that kind of happens, but it's usually pretty low key, and it's usually not in the places where um, a lot of the tourists come and hang out. Sure,
0: so, yeah, because yeah. you guys, you guys know how to navigate those uh, navigate those roads and come around the backside and get in here and get yep. in there and get because you you live yeah, there, you, you know. <laughs> um, so you know, a couple years ago, something happened here where it was all the. I feel like there was. When COVID happened and not to belabor that, but it did change, um, a lot of things for a lot of people, a lot of things, yeah. it got better for some, some businesses for most businesses, it got, it got arguably, um, not as good, but what yeah. musicians, it hit particularly hard. Didn't musicians and artists and mm-hmm. things like that. How did you, how did you pass the time and pay the bills when, when that happened?
1: Well, I mean, man, that's a loaded question. I, uh, I had a really hard time with it because being the fact that I'm a Canadian citizen living in the U.S., um, I'm here on work visa, and so I'm only allowed to stay within the restrictions of my visa, legally speaking, right? Yeah. And obviously, deportation is not um, ideal for somebody who wants to eventually be a touring musician, so breaking any kind of rules was not an option for me, so I had to go back to Canada. Um, and thankfully they had a program where it was kind of like in the US they did a stimulus. In Canada they did what was called a like financial recovery program kind of. Right. So I was able to keep my head afloat that way because my two jobs, like my history of work, is music and the service industry. Both <laughs> right. were completely shut down. So Absolutely no money coming in whatsoever. Um, luckily, I was able to, you know, get my feet wet in the cannabis industry and a little bit for up in Canada because I um, I have some friends that had connected me with some work up there, which was really great. Um, I learned a lot of great things. I'm not a partaker, so I it wasn't, you know, it's not being put to use at any point in right. these days. But, but um, you know, it, that was definitely a good way to be able to keep myself afloat. Um, and then, you know, just kind of doing the dance with depression and trying to make sure I was keeping my mental health in check and doing the best I could there. It was definitely a tough time, I think, for a lot of artists. You know, I think a lot of us really, really struggled. Um, for me personally, I was able to um, come out on top as a result of that because it, I was able to grow through that depression and get to know myself a little bit more, and a song like Save Me was able to come out of that. Uh, I was just going to say, I doesn't
0: never- doesn't that a situation like that really feed those uh, creative pieces that you need to really, I mean, let's, let's face it. Um, you know, there's, there's bubblegum music in every genre, you know, and, and that kind of just, I don't know, it's, it's good background music. It's kitschy. It's good. But if you think about the, the, the songs that really, really move you and the songs that really, you can't walk by the radio without turning up and stopping and and being in that moment with that artist, because we've all have that song that we heard that takes us right back to a time. Isn't that what feeds your kind of art?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that there's like that, um, it's the word I'm looking for, like that relatability, right? Right. Um, because not everybody, I mean, not to knock her at all, because I do love a lot of her songs, but not everybody experiences life through Taylor Swift's eyes. And that's why I think a lot of people, um, I mean, everybody loves her and loves her stuff, but that's why for me, a lot of her songs weren't relatable, especially in her, um, more, uh, junior records. Mm-hmm. Now, now I you can feel that she's had some life experience and I think that that's a really important thing for me as well when I'm writing to put into my songs is like I I didn't want to be I struggled with depression so bad that I didn't want to be around anymore for a period of time you know like was was to the point where I was like you know my family was checking in on me regularly to make sure I was doing okay and getting up and showering and stuff and um having to work through those things and come out on the other side and then taking the time to heal that pain and then go back and write from it. I had to not, I had to not write while I was in it though. Okay. Does that make sense? Like I had to really work through the nitty gritty of healing it first because I was still able to go at, back and recall those emotions, but I didn't want to write while I was still wallowing. I wanted to work on healing and and um, growing through it, and just kind of getting to a safer, healthier headspace yeah, before you, getting back there.
0: You can't help heal somebody. I mean, it's like so. I'll use a I'll use a a, a terrible analogy, but it's the one that I think everybody can, uh, you know, can say that they've they've been around. When you get on an airplane and they talk about the masks dropping, what do they tell you? They say make sure that you secure your own sure mask, your mask before you first, secure yeah. your neighbor's. So, you know, securing your own heart and securing your own mind and reconciling where you're supposed to be emotionally as an artist. Um, all art doesn't have to come from pain, but, yeah. but there's some there, you know, life has pain in it. You're not going to appreciate the wonderful days when, you know, when save me comes out and save me, I'm sure it's going to hit the charts. I just, I just have that kind of feeling about it to where it, it's not, it's very, 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 um, it's indelible. It, it, it's it's a very good song. And it's, you know, besides being well written and well performed, it it speaks to people. Right. And that's what's going to draw somebody in and, and create lifelong fans. But they're going to hear what you went through. And if you didn't fix it, I don't think you're going to I don't think you're going to be able to write the song about saving yourself if you're still mired in doing that.
1: I agree. And I think that saving yourself is a constant process. I don't think we're ever fully healed um, because we're constantly getting hurt and healing and getting hurt and healing. And I think that we never actually um, fully heal. No, that's not to say that we don't heal from certain things, but I think healing is a constant life journey, just like self-discovery is. Um you know, we're we're emotional beings and we're easily wounded. And, and um, I think the healing process is just as important as the actual journey itself, you know, but I agree with you. I wasn't able to write from a place from my own personal experience until I had worked through those experiences and sat kind of in that. I think we live in a society where we're so afraid to mess up and we're so afraid to be that nitty gritty, dirty shadow part of ourselves. But that's really where we like that's where we really get to know each other or get to know ourselves rather, and um, learn how to be better and learn what like our triggers are and our sh- like our crappy patterns are and <laughs> how we can, <laughs> sorry, almost, almost- No, you can say it. shit, it's okay. okay. <laughs> We're explicit. Okay. I guess, well, like, you know, a, a bike crew, they probably don't mind if I say shit. But no, yeah. I think it's like, and I mean, I, I would suppose that's probably very relevant to a lot of your listeners as they've got this like, quote unquote, um, edge about the more this dark kind of shadowy shadiness you know what i mean like not yeah. not necessarily no a i know what you, of- exactly
0: what you mean there's a, there yeah. is a, a there is a there is a facade that i think a lot of people put up because they're afraid of accepting who they are and and you know what uh, the older i get the more relevant that statement becomes and you're you know you mentioned something a minute ago about you don't think we ever heal and and, and i you know, I've, I've not been able to art, to articulate that in that way. And in, when my dad, you know, I lost my dad a few years ago and um, he was my business partner and my best friend. And, you know, he was just so close with my daughters and, and, you know, and we talk about his inability to recover. And when he didn't recover anymore, that's when we knew that he was going to go. And it didn't yeah. mean that he didn't come home because he did, he would go, he would go to the hospital and then come home and then go to the hospital and come home, but he never recovered like you're talking about. And so, yeah, you, 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 you're right. You don't heal. You know, a tattoo is a permanent thing and it's a scar for all intents and purposes. And that's a very good point that you made.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I think that's, but that's the beautiful thing though, is like, we're so taught to be perfect. And I love the, the, that's one thing that I do really love about the, the bike culture is that like, You know you've got these rough and tumble looking dudes that roll around on these big bikes and i have a couple of guy friends that are like ross flora being one of them they are some of the softest sweetest men i've ever met in my life when you actually get to know them like personally however Mm. you know they wear they've, they've got this facade that they're dangerous and big and burly and you know well will uh you know mess shit up if you look at them the wrong way but that's never actually the case for a majority of the people that i know so
0: well i think but, that you, when you look at guys that ride motorcycles and, and i'll speak on behalf of my community is i'm i'm, I'm an extremely emotional person i'm learning yeah. to deal with being uh, uh, proactive instead of reactive right and a yeah. guy like uh, ross and i have not met each other face to face but we did spend some time um you know doing what you and i are doing right now and i think that we are dangerous and I to a degree, riding a motorcycle is a very dangerous thing to do. and being in some of the social situations that we're in uh, around other motorcyclists is a is a dangerous thing to do. but I think we need somebody that that understands where that line is and can get us yeah. up to that line and walk that line because it there's nothing there's nothing wrong with being in in an unsafe place, but you're with somebody who's willing to, willing to step up and and punch somebody in the face if that's what it needs or fix a motorcycle or like you were saying, you you know, you and Ross, and I want to kind of talk a little bit about that because I I think he's an amazing artist and uh, I know you do a lot of work with him and I know you guys are close, but, and he speaks very, very highly of you. We talked a bit about you in our podcast and it's good to have like these well-rounded individuals. And, you know, when you, when you perform music and you're a touring musician, you're working with Four or five or six plus different personalities that all have different backgrounds and you have to try to homogenize on that stage because you're doing a job but your job is you know i think it was uh bunny carlos from t-trick that said i don't get paid to play music i get paid to travel i get to yeah. play music right so you what you're what you're speaking about is all these different personalities and different different character traits all trying to come in into one. And you do have to be in a good headspace to be able to do the kind of work that you do because I can barely work on a motorcycle if I'm having that kind of a day, you understand? And if you're having that kind of day, I couldn't imagine you having a bad day, some of the bad days that I have, which I'm sure you do. And then somebody goes, okay, five minutes till showtime. And you've got to, you've got to put it together.
1: Yeah. I mean, luckily for me with music, it's always been an emotional kind of outlet for me. So the only time the only time I have a really hard time working through that is if I'm like teary and crying, like I'm that kind of upset. Right. Um, because I tend to lose my voice when that happens. But if I'm, you know, upset about something or something in my life isn't going well and I'm or I'm just angry or I just I just need like some sort of emotional release and I've been feeling stressed or whatever, I find that I'm able to go and... I mean, because I'm a vocalist, it's so physical, which is very, very similar for somebody getting into the gym and working out and trying to work through some of that stuff. Sure. I get, I get to do that physically on a stage, and it's just, it just I happens to do it with much more with sound than pumping iron, so to speak, you know, but I'm able to definitely use that as an outlet, get out there, sing my guts out, and then just leave it, leave it there. And leave it for the crowd and those sometimes end up being some of my best performances because i'm just throwing all of my emotion and just kind of releasing some of the things that i need to let go um and it's coming out in a in a beautiful way i'm able to i love the term transmutation because um i'm able to take something that i've been stuffing down or not dealing with and i can Use my voice and turn it into something beautiful that helps move people and um, give people some encouragement and catches their attention and makes them listen to something, you know. So, have you ever seen the
0: movie Almost Famous?
1: Um, yeah, that is hands okay. down my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> Honestly, it's like the best movie
0: ever. Enough people haven't seen that movie, and me being the music nerd that I am, one of my favorite parts of that movie it, it comes off it comes off weird if if it's not contextualized properly but Jason Lee yeah. says I get people off. I look for the yeah. one person in the crowd that's not getting off and I make him get off and it's not in a in a in an inappropriate manner. It's like look man, you know, you can uh, music to me is is a heal- is a medicine. Um, yeah, you I agree. know, and, and and I I know that sounds so You know, incense and 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 fluffy and weird, but it's not. It's it to me, it can it can sway my mood. It can change a a very bad day into a a palatable day, and an okay day into an amazing day. And so, tell me, how old were you when you found your voice? And what what I mean by that was not that you loved singing, but that your love for singing and your ability to sing converged, and you're like, oh my god, I can can do this
1: uh honestly i would say i was probably in between five to seven years old
0: that's quite a lot for a little girl to take on
1: yeah i i have been able to um command the attention of a of a crowd sense of like from a very young age and I think that it's just because I, I, and I was also this tiny, teeny little knobby kneed, big headed little girl <laughs> with this giant voice. And so people just stopped and stopped and were like, wow. And I also grew up in church. So I think some of the songs that I were singing were old hymns and things like that. And um, I mean, even if you don't, even if you're not a practicing um, religious person, there's still so much power in a song like Amazing Grace. Do you know what I mean? There like, is.
0: And I was. Oh man, it's funny that you say that because I was, I got to work this morning a little early and one of my guys in the back, cause I, I own a motorcycle shop full-time. That's what I do for a full-time job. And so yeah. one of my texts was listening to, um, you know, whoever gets in first in the morning gets to pick the radio station for the day, you know, whether it be on Spotify yeah. or iHeart or whatever. And it was Motown. And Love so it's it. cycling through all this stuff and a staple singer, a uh, staple singer song comes on and, you know, for you know a 49 year old white guy that listens to you know slayer and is really into hip-hop the staple singers are one of my favorite like i love to get in my truck by myself driving down the road and put the best of them because even if you're like you said even if you're not a practicing you know devout christian um if that's if you don't hear the amount of love and and soul in somebody else's art then I yeah. think that part of you might be dead inside.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think that's the whole point of making sure that you create authentic art is like you have to, this, I mean, this industry is not for the faint of heart. Being a musician is hard because when you're a true musician and I feel like you you really, like it's been in my bones since I've been in diapers. I've been singing for anybody that would listen since before I was able to form sentences. So it's like, it's it was built in me before I was even born. Right. Um, and I feel like that's not something that I choose. I've tried to give it up. I've tried to let it go a couple of times because it's not, I've tried to have a regular nine to five job. I've tried to do, to be the wife. I've tried to, you know, I've, when I was a wife we were discussing having children and um, and it was just, it was something that just made me, that kind of life made me feel dead inside because I knew that I was supposed to be doing music. And I've never, I've always known that that's been my life purpose. Um, and I do, and I, and that is largely because I know that I, music is healing and I have the the ability to heal people with my voice. And I think that music is a universal language and we can, like you said, say that that sounds woo woo, but you know, we can meet somebody from a completely different culture that doesn't speak our, our native tongue and sing a song with them and, um, and have a connection with that person on a level that you would never be able to connect with them just verbally because it's a, it's a spiritual Music is on a spiritual plane, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, the good the good stuff always is, right? I mean, you know, yeah. uh, e- whether it be, I was listening. You know, I have I constantly shuffling through. You know, I have I have this really weird eclectic, you know, collection of songs in in my iPhone, and in it goes everything from jazz to to hip hop to to disco, believe it or not. And so I like some. I love, it. I love some some I love soul music, and I mean, I love a little bit of everything, and so. Uh, for me, I don't think that I can consider myself um, somebody who is in the know or is open-minded if I'm not listening to things that I don't already know and I'm not trying to find things that I don't already like and powering through things that I don't like. Because I'll, I'll tell you, have you ever had this happen where you hear a song, doesn't move you, and then something happens and then you hear the song again you're like, oh, oh I, didn't, I, I didn't know it. Oh, you okay? <laughs>
1: Yep, just knocking things over.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know. I didn't know the song meant something, or something happened in my life to where I can tie that song to it now. And now, all of a sudden, that song is meaningful to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think music and certain songs and certain certain things come into your life at just the right time. I mean, I feel like the that's kind of relevant with film as well, and um, you know, and art, and basically anything in the creative realm. I think that things come in and out of our lives at the times that we need to hear them. And sometimes, um, you know, I mean, I kind of, I grew up listening to Fleetwood Mac and I, and it's, I love it because it's nostalgic, but I never really resonated with any of the lyrics until I was into the type of spirituality that I'm into. And now I kind of understand, um, and also understanding being in the dynamics of a band and some of the things that, you know, Fleetwood Mac went through. And some of the things that were written about, you can kind of, the, the songs mean so much more to me now because I've shared in some of those life experiences.
0: Well, I have to tell you, since you brought up Fleetwood Mac, um, so I'm a Fleetwood Mac fan from the Jump Street. So let me, I'll just tell you a real quick story so I can tell you this other thing. I went, yeah. just, I got out of high school in 91. Uh, my mother was absolutely insistent that I was going somewhere. I was not, I was either going to college or trade school or something. I had to do something. So um I had no interest in, in any, uh, higher education. So I ended up going to a school to be a a radio disc jockey, went through the whole program, didn't have any intentions of being a radio disc jockey, got through school, went right back to my old job after I graduated. Mom wasn't happy, uh, ended up getting a job, getting a call from a radio station through a friend, got a job on the radio, did that for a very short amount of time, come back. Well, while I was there, it was an oldies station. At the time, hated oldies. It was two minutes and 35-second long songs. You couldn't even go to the bathroom while the song was playing. You had to, like, have moody blues, Knights uh, of White Satin, sitting off to the side in case you had to go to the bathroom you had to leave the radio station down the hallway. So yep. um, I started doing a family tree and started looking at what bands of the British invasion uh, where they started. And if you look, Fleetwood Mac is the, the iteration that I think you're probably most akin to liking is the Lindsey Buckingham, Stevie Nicks. Uh, but if you go back to the early 60s, you have John Mayall's Blues Breakers and you have Peter Green, who mm. is an absolute legend. And if you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to go to YouTube and um, after when we're done and look at Peter green singing. Oh, well on the BBC, it, it still, I saved the video on my phone and I watch every once in a while because it makes the hair on my arm stand up and Peter green. Um, the significance of that was, is he went in, he got into drugs into psychedelics and didn't come out of it. There were several guys, him, Sid Barrett from, from Pink Floyd. But the reason why I'm saying that is there's a song called, Oh, well, and it's just, it's dynamite. And when you look at that band, There were a couple of bands that were able to rise like a phoenix and, and come out And the history of that band is so rich and so amazing. And I mean, the stories are just epic and it's such an amazing, and amazing band with such an amazing body of work that has lasted for six decades. And it's, it's just, it's quite a story. And and it's, if you're going to, if you're going to have pick a band, I mean, good luck picking one better. You know, you can yeah. pick a different one. You can, some people are into Led Zeppelin. Some people are into Pink Floyd. But if you're going to, I mean, you can't, There, it's almost completely flawless, I would say, their body of work is. Almost completely flawless. Yeah. I mean, this
1: is this is Fleetwood, or Peter, Peter who is Peter Green again? Tell P-
0: me. Peter Green was, so Fleetwood Mac used to be a blues band, and it came out of John Mayles Blues Breakers. So John Mayles right. Blues Breakers was an early uh, band in the 60s. So Peter Green was the lead singer um, and, and chief songwriter.
1: And Stevie were still in San Francisco, I believe. Right? Oh, they were they still in high school.
0: Band. Yeah, they were still in high school. They weren't even they weren't even part. This is because Stevie, I think Stevie Nicks and uh, Lindsey Buckingham came in around seventy four or seventy three, and so yeah. uh, Peter Green left in seventy or seventy one, and the band was kind of it was just John and Mick, and that's why yeah. Mick. One of the unique things about Fleetwood Mac is that Mick Fleetwood is also there. He makes all of the decisions. He makes all the financial decisions. He makes. All of the uh, he he writes the set, uh, the set lists and all that stuff. He basically runs that band. Yeah. And which and he's a drummer, so they're creating. You know, if you're letting a drummer run your band, <laughs> could you <laughs> imagine if Motley Crue was run by the drummer?
1: <laughs> Surprisingly enough, when I was um, living back in Vancouver, I had two two guys were running my band. One was the guitar player, and the other one was the drummer. He's actually. A well-known drummer around Canada, his name is Toby Duquette, and he helped me with like the band management all the time because he just, you know, the second the drummer starts playing, everybody kind of follows suit and is like, "Oh, we're, oh, we're rehearsing." Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So, so but- I bet like he, I was happy that he took that role because it was super helpful having him just kind of jump into the lead when he needed when he needed to. So, I don't find it surprising that uh Mick is the is the band manager guy. You know.
0: Yeah, well, it just it's just—I think it's an interesting story, and I think you've—you've you've picked yeah. an, an incredible—an incredible inspiration to—to to kind of, you know, heck, if you were half as successful uh, as Fleetwood Mac, um, you know, I'll, I'll you, be
1: laughing all the way to the bank.
0: I was just gonna say, not only that, but your—I think your heart would do full as well. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know. absolutely. I mean, I just, for me, it's the the connection. I mean, I like the the older stuff. I mean, I, I listened to a lot of stuff when it was just Buckingham and Knicks, too. For mm-hmm. me, it's the connection to Stevie and kind of her. Yeah. Um, her lifestyle and her, um, she's just this magic. She's got this wicked witchery about her that I just aspire to be. She transcends. And,
0: um, she transcends. With, I could not even imagine being in a room with her. I feel like she would take she take all the light. I've,
1: she does she does she just like but she also like shines all the light. it's crazy.'ve I've seen her on um, on stage. I watched her at the uh, arena here in Nashville and um, I was sitting directly behind Ross and his girlfriend and I was like at one point she grabbed her shawl and wasn't even singing she was just spinning on the stage doing that Stevie spin that she does. and I just started bawling. And Ross looked at me, he's like, um, are you okay? I was like, I'm just having a moment. Like just, <laughs> like just weeping in the background. And Ross is like, oh, here she goes again. But you just, I couldn't help myself. Like it was just so magical. So.
0: And it should be, it really should yeah. be. I mean, there's times where, you know, there, there is a song, there's songs. There's this one particular song that I, I, I'm embarrassed to even tell you what the song is because it's a rap song, but it's uh there's a guy named Ari, the rugged man and, he was blackballed from the the business uh, thirty years ago due to due to some of his own behavior. But um, he signed with the wrong record company and and it didn't work out for him. And it didn't work out for some of the others that signed with the record company either. But he has a song called Daddy, uh, and I'm telling his dad dies and he writes this song. And at the end of the song, he you hear him crying, and I can cry yeah. thinking about it right now because you know when my dad passed, I was like, oh god, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. And every time we hear Wish You Were Here, that's my dad's song. So the kids, yeah. you know, my daughters will text me, oh, it's on It's on the radio again. Of course, it's one of the songs that's played, you know, nine times a day in every major market. So yeah. you hear but, it. I
1: mean, that's why people are loving some of these kinds of songs that are coming out now. And, and um, you know, we'll love the song that you were just talking about, Daddy, because, like, again, it's that authentic Loss that he was singing about that people can relate to because at one point in time, we're all going to lose parents, unfortunately, you yes. know, and um, And grandparents and things like that. And it's I mean, it's something that it draws us together It kind of reminds us that we are actually one people, you know, yeah. we all do We may have we may come from all different walks of life and all different colors of skin But we are one people in the sense that we do experience similar things Um and, and have similar emotions in, in, in and around those things. So
0: yeah, music can bring different cultures, uh, different ethnicities, uh, you know, together in such an, an amazing, in an, in an amazing way to where it's, it becomes, it makes all of the other, uh, nominal disagreements in, in life, just null it just, it, it eradicates them. It just, there's no, you know, and when everybody's moving to the same groove or everybody's dancing to the same beat, it's amazing. And it's, it's something that I treasure and uh, it's something that I, I, I'm glad I taught my kids about and I'm, you know, I'm excited to teach my grandchildren about it, you know?
1: Yeah. See, and therein is where I, where I have legs to stand on in saying that music is a spiritual experience because how can you have somebody that's four or five years old dancing to the same beat as a person that's 75 years old and they're both having the same experience, experience. at the same time the same emotions when they're from completely different worlds?
0: They and, um,
1: and they're just standing there together enjoying it, you know, and all the other stuff falls away. All the other shit that we can get concerned about, that's no longer relevant at that moment in time.
0: Yeah. There's like uh, so there's that saying, this is any, any problem you can throw money at and it goes away is not really a problem. Yep. But I think the yep. same could be said any, any problem that you have that goes away when you listen to music, that's also not a problem, right? I mean, there's, there's an answer in there. There's a spiritual answer in, in most of, of what people put out. If, if people like, if people are putting out organic music that they believe in and that they think is real and is, and is reporting back to, to them, their emotions, there's nothing wrong with that it's so it it's so perfect you know
1: yeah and it and it translates and it resonates with other people because again like we we don't necessarily all have the same experiences at the same time but eventually we're all going to experience the same things at one point or another and that's why you know I could have listened to a Fleetwood Mac song when I was a child but don't actually really resonate with the lyrics until now because I'm kind of going through the same life journey that Stevie was when she was experiencing her version of spirituality. So I can resonate with it much more like on a different plane now than I could when I was a child. When I was a child, I loved the harmonies and I loved the, you know, melodic guitar lines and things like that. And it felt good to me. And it felt, um, it felt spiritually charged, even though I was maybe a little too young to understand what that was. (laughs) But now that I'm an adult and can wrap my head around it a little more, I'm kind of like, oh, that makes sense that I loved it so much because I was still very curious about those things, but didn't really understand why or how or where, which direction to move with that.
0: Right. It's like, uh, it's, so that's what we call wisdom. Right. And it's like somebody giving you a tool that you don't have the instruction manual to. And then at some point in time, you realize that there's, there's, there's a use for that. Um, tell me a little bit about your childhood. So you're, what part of Canada are you from? Are you from Vancouver?
1: I'm from the West Coast, so originally I grew up um, kind of right next door to wine country in Canada. It's like Canada's Beautiful. Napa Valley. Um, I grew up around that area, and uh, it's called the um, the Shushwap Lakes. So there's a big lake and a little lake. I grew up in that area. Uh, I grew up on a hobby farm with horses and ducks and pigs and chickens and dogs, all kinds of stuff. Hmm. Um, I was the girly girl in the family, so I never really loved to be outside playing in the dirt with the with the animals, but Somehow kind of found myself there most often.
0: Well, they were a good Um, audience for you to sing to, right?
1: (laughs) That's exactly it. Mostly because they listened to me when I was singing. So, (laughs) um, yeah, I grew up singing in church. Um, I graduated from Christian school. uh, Got young, got married real young. Got divorced even younger. (laughs) Um, Got that out of the way real quick. And then I eventually made my way to Vancouver and uh, started working in the – pub service industry and um that was a really cool part of being in the music world as well because i got to see like the party side of it i'd always seen like the religious side of it i suppose sure and then you know started singing on stages and and in bars and in weddings and all kinds of stuff like that and you know fast forward to 2016 i made my way to nashville and i did never left so here we are
0: well and you were also um you're you did you you were a semifinalist uh were you not in canada's got talent
1: no canadian idol
0: canadian Which, idol okay
1: yeah yeah so um i think i was 26 at the time so that was you know quite a few years ago but yeah i was a um it was a really cool experience because I was living in Vancouver at the time, and the show was being filmed in Toronto, and I had never been to Toronto before. So that's I quite a quite a big difference.
0: There,
1: it's a big big trek. So I got flown out there. I got to like hang out and kind of see the city and um, connected with the guy who ended up winning the show. His name is Theo Tams, and we had a little duo for a couple of years in Toronto. Won some some indie like independent music awards for one of our songs. I've and, seen that. Yeah, we had some really cool connections some really cool songs. Did some really cool covers and and, um, played some really fun shows. And he's still doing his original stuff out there. And uh, it was a really cool way for me to kind of get my feet wet and get to see the city without actually moving there first. So the show itself was stressful to be on because I was always, I'm just, I'm one of those people. I don't love being on camera. You know, (laughs) I've tried the acting thing. I'm still working on it. I'd like to eventually conquer that one day, but you ever seen that episode of friends where Chandler and Monica are trying to take wedding photos and Chandler does that camera face? That's me.
0: (laughs) Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's just like, as soon as the camera comes on, I kind of freeze or I start nervous talking. So
0: well, uh, we all, we all have things that we could work on. (laughs) Let me ask you a question because being a Canadian artist and, and now you're, you're here in Nashville. Um, why is it that the, the wall between our two countries well, we're so similar in so many ways seems to be a tough one to hop over or climb over for a lot of Canadian artists because I I know there's just a, a ton of artists in Canada that they, you know, everybody knows about Nickelback and Rush and Triumph and, um, yeah. you know, why, why is it, I don't understand why it doesn't just, why it doesn't just translate, why it doesn't just carry over. Is there... What is it about the business side of it that makes it difficult?
1: You know, I don't really know how to answer that because I don't really know. I think I I think that it has a lot to do with like everybody wants to be the first to discover you, quote mm-hmm. unquote. Um, and when you're when they're not, you're just kind of left where you are. If that makes sense. Like yeah. I know that um, I've got a couple of friends in the music industry up there. Uh, Chad Brownlee is a, is a friend of mine. A guy named Dallas Smith is a friend of mine. Like, these aren't great friends. They're acquaintances, I would say. But these are super talented dudes. And they've got some really great songs out. And, you know, I can, I, I barely hear them on the radio. Like, Dallas Smith has been around for years in Canada. Same with Chad. And Dallas is finally getting a tiny little bit of play here. Finally. But the the thing is, is that it's like, there's a huge group of us that are here. And it's, It's like all of a sudden when we have we live in nashville and we're kind of like doing our thing here we have so much more clout in canada all of a sudden okay so there's that too which is a whole strange thing because like you'd think that they would want there would be so much more encouragement for the artists like the the homegrown artists to stay homegrown and stay you know and have their their roots stay there but i feel like we end up getting more um recognition if we've left and come here and and are starting to do something here so I think there's some room for growth in in the industry between um, Canada and the US, you know, absolutely. I think that we're not, we're doing a disservice to ourselves by losing out on that music because some label doesn't want to pick up this artist because they've signed to a label in Canada or the US. And, you know, I think it's just, I think that we are really um, losing out on a lot of good music. Um, I would tend to uh, agree.
0: And here's the thing, I don't travel to Canada anymore because i you know growing up in detroit that's we went to windsor all the time but or we'd go to we'd go to london we go to windsor um you because there's drag strips there and so we would go we would go to those places but you know i feel like i'm missing out on something that i don't even know what it is because you know it it shouldn't to me it shouldn't be easier for an artist to come from from the uk to the united states but for some reason they don't have to come to the United States from the UK. They they email the the songs over, and it seems to work. And then they yeah. get big, and they come over, and they do a big tour, and that. But if you look at some of the um, amazing talent, whether it be acting, um, all kinds, you know, a friend of mine is. Uh, are you familiar with the cartoon Ed Ed and Eddie?
1: No. Okay, no, so I
0: yeah, I think you're. You and I are both a little. Too old for that, but Ed Ed Ed, Ed and Eddie is a giant cartoon that was on the Cartoon Network. Well, a friend of mine from BC that that's his cartoon. That's 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 what he does and or what he did. And so um, it's just it's it's there's so much talent and it's so to me it's it we're so similar in so many ways. Um, Canadian people are a lot nicer than most Americans, but. (laughs) <laughs> i don't know why some that of is us, either
1: some of, us are. Some, God, of I, us are some of us are not I I've, I've never on. met
0: a mean canadian in my life ever i've never had a canadian cuss me out i've never had a canadian call me an a-hole i've nothing <laughs> nothing but love the from
1: is, though, the thing is though is we totally do we just have a polite way of doing it so you don't really know you've been cussed oh
0: out. so okay so it's like down <laughs> south where they say bless your heart and i mean you know go pound sand
1: <laughs> we say sorry <laughs> yeah sorry yeah, so. <laughs> Sorry is a combination of a few different things, depending on the on the circumstance. At least as far as I'm concerned, I can't speak for every Canadian, but I can speak for myself. Sorry is like, excuse me, what did you just say to me? Sorry is also like, um, could you at least speak up so I can understand what you're saying? Sorry is also, go fuck yourself. Excuse my language. But, yep, love it. You know, like it, it, a lot of it can be. Sometimes it's just like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm in your way. You know, we just actually say it because we are unintentionally apologetic, but sometimes it's like, it's the bless your heart thing very much in right. a lot of circumstances. Yeah, for
0: sure. So are you going to be touring, uh, anytime soon? or Are you going to, are you, are you mainly going to stay around the Nashville area and, 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 try to pound the pavement there?
1: Um, I think probably a bit of both, um, the Nashville area, we've got some steady gigs here and, um, that's kind of what I'm using to make my, make my bills these days. And, right. um, i think once the uh once save myself hits and depending on how it does and potentially the next single as well then the goal is to move forward with some like, I really want to do festival tours. I've always really wanted to do, you know, uh, different places like Bonnaroo and uh, Stagecoach and Tortuga and all those kinds of things. So I'm hoping that I can eventually, there's a new one that's actually, I don't know if it's super new, but it's in Chattanooga and it's called Moon River Festival. I'm hoping to go to it this year and a couple of my favorite writers are playing it. So I'm hoping to be on the bill next year. That's like a big, a big goal. But yeah, I think kind of dabbling in both worlds, For the time being, until I get to the point that I can just be doing my full time original project. Because right now, staying in Nashville and doing the gigs here mostly means cover stuff, which is absolutely okay because it's like going to the gym and getting paid for four hours a day, right? So, vocally speaking. So, I'm definitely not mad about it. I get to sing for a living still. So, but uh, the goal is to move forward with doing the original, my original stuff and eventually get on the tour circuit. So, I just got to figure out a way to bring my little kitties along because I feel like I would miss them a lot and they're not great at traveling quite yet. So we've got to I've got to figure out how to reconcile that.
0: Right. Have you are you familiar with an event that's pretty close to where you're at called uh, TMMR? It's the Tennessee Motorcycle and Music Revival. No. So um, obviously, you know who Miss Loretta Lynn is absolutely so it's on her property and some friends of mine put that on every year uh buddy of yeah. mine named buck shaw and very good friend of mine named carrie rep and so they have a they have a bunch of people on the bill this year billy gibbons tim montana that's where i saw stone senate a few years ago the first time uh, i've seen cadillac 3 there and uh so it's coming up next weekend i think it's at loretta's house uh her home there her ranch yeah. my daughter here is is going there um she worked my daughter works with me here at the motorcycle shop so She's yeah. going there for the motorcycle part of the revival. But um, it's it's funny that you mentioned festivals. I have never been to a music festival. But when I was talking with both – I was talking with um, Clint from Stone Senate. And when I was talking with Ross, they both mentioned music festivals. And I don't, I don't know that there is one here in Florida. And I don't know that I'd want to go to one here in Florida because it's so mother-effing hot in the summertime. But the idea yeah. of going to Tennessee or somewhere like that in the summertime for a music festival – Sounds amazing.
1: Yeah. You know, I did a festival up in Canada. I did one uh, called Merritt Mountain Music Fest. I did it one year, a couple of years ago, 2013, 2014. Got a taste for it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is what I'm hooked on now. <laughs> so, so I think that's instantly why the festival thing has come up for me because they're so fun. I cannot imagine playing in the heat in Florida, just also being Canadian. I'm like, I don't know how I would survive that. I'm sure I'd sort it out, but, um, I think actually Tortuga is maybe it's not in Florida. I thought it was. It's
0: off the coast of Florida. It's and it's yeah. It's down by the Keys.
1: Yeah, but it's like during the the spring still. I think yeah. It? It's the, the it's fall. yeah. It's like not in the heat of tolerable. Summer. Yeah, um, but I might have to go check out this uh, this festival It's happening next weekend. That yeah. sounds kind of super enjoyable.
0: Yeah, it's it's really great, and because it's it's a very intimate uh situation so basically what happens is it's the there's the industry people there from from my industry uh there's you know custom motorcycle builders and stuff and we all converge there and we camp and hang out and drink and party and there's three stages there's the main stage there's the one stage smaller and then there's a third stage that is kind of in a tent it's just awesome it's very intimate and uh, I'm, i'm 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 bummed that you did it so close. Hopefully you could, you could check out and if not, you know, definitely check it out next year, but it's a, it's a fun event. It's the one event that I always tell everybody, look, you can take your mom, your dad, your daughter, your son, your grandkids, your dog, Everybody's welcome. Everybody has a good time. I've never seen anybody have a crossword with each other. It's yeah. just been so much fun and then the music is good and the food is fun and the beer and the it's just it's rad. It's really a it's cool cool time.
1: A good hang for all ages. I love that kind of stuff. That's that's right up my alley for sure. Yeah. I think everything be a family
0: affair if you can make it one you know yeah so so one of the things that I that I am very curious about is you know you've been in in Nashville since 16 so you're definitely there before what I would consider the gold rush that's going on with with Nashville you know people making a mass exodus um you know like I know that 10 years ago they started calling Nashville Nash Vegas I I call it Nash Angeles now because everybody seems (laughs) to be leaving LA to either go to Austin or to go to Nashville do you feel and and I know that it, it's it's really easy to go like I was here first and you know there's all these people and because they're doing it here where I live too but do you think that 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 is a a favorable thing or is is Nashville big enough to handle a, a bunch more people or is it just like oh you know is it gonna water it down
1: I think um I think it's got its po- it's ups and it's downs I think it it's because its, it's positives and it's negatives I mean Obviously, we've seen um, a lot of things skyrocket like rent prices and housing markets and, you know, going for a sushi roll is like 20 bucks now and, you know, regular old California roll, which is like that part of it sucks. But the thing is, is I come from big cities like I've lived in Vancouver and I've lived in Toronto and the culture that also comes along with that, the new restaurants, the new um, lifestyle, there's like the film industry is opening up here, the opportunities that get presented um with growth um i think are really a really positive thing that are that like that are coming to the city like i love the fact that um i have some friends that would be great actors that i've encouraged them to like you know hey have you thought about acting classes there's a there's an industry here for it now you know there's space to get gigs for acting here now and make make a living at it and that wasn't necessarily the case in 2016 when i first moved here because it was so heavily saturated in music which it still absolutely is but i don't know i think i think with growth comes growing pains and some of those pains um are a, they end up in a good result and some of those pains end up in in um you know we end up in difficult situations like i know a lot of my friends are having a hard time with uh you know just the prices of things here. yeah the cost so. of living
0: going up and things like that but yeah i think that was a very yeah. I, I think you have a very pragmatic outlook on it and a very favorable outlook on it and that you know we I mean, were, it's we're presented a with pain
1: in the ass that they don't have a transit system here yet a very good one at least but, right so it's hard for people to get around but i definitely i think i personally think that growth is good and as long as we can work through those growing pains and learn from them and and try and fix them where we can i think growth is a great thing
0: are I you mean, are you based in the city
1: I am about fifteen minutes, twenty-minute walk from downtown. So yeah, pretty close to the oh, nice. part of the city. Yeah,
0: so you mean know, the driving thing is not something that's going to prevent you from from getting to work, and so that that's good. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I also know that the the um, traffic is atrocious here, so I, I plan accordingly um, <laughs> when I can. Right. So like, I'm not, I'm not trying to run out to get my groceries at three o'clock in the afternoon when you can't get anywhere because everybody's leaving the offices. So,
0: well, you know, isn't that something that everybody should just try to kind of take into consideration? Like if we all try to do the same thing at the same time, no matter where you live, you know,
1: it seems so simple and practical yet. It's so hard for people to wrap their heads around. I don't get it.
0: I think (laughs) we need to assign everything. So from, from 5am to 7am, that's when everybody who still works goes to work. I think from eight to nine, the, uh, the the retirees are allowed to go. to, <laughs> I'm just kidding, uh, but it would make like we sense. All if
1: to, the, we all have designated time slots.
0: Yeah, that would be yeah, that's a that's a little dystopian and, and probably <laughs> completely inappropriate that I would suggest that. Um, <laughs> so I know that um, I know that Ross he told us when when we when we had him on a couple of weeks ago. He kind of told us where we could, where the listeners. Because I have a lot of people that travel to Nashville. Obviously, you know, there's the the TMMR is coming up next weekend. Where can people see you on a regular basis? I know you have you talked about some like you have some scheduled gigs that are that are that are your bread and butter. Where are those at?
1: Yeah. Um. So generally, right now, one of my favorite places to play is um, Luke Bryan's main stage. Like the it's called Truck Bar, and it's called Truck Bar because the big truck that he had at one of his concerts is hanging right directly above my head while I sit on the stage. So
0: it's <laughs> <Wonderful>. <laughs>
1: somewhat terrifying, but um, there's something just about the magic in that room. It, it, the building itself used to be an old bank and then it was a Cowboy boot store. And there's just some, some sort of magic juju in there and it ends up becoming a listening room and it's just a really cool place to hang. I'm there uh, every Sunday and Monday and Thursday from two to six in the afternoon. So um, just kind of come and hang out and uh, I'm just usually sitting on a stool singing songs for people. And, and um, you've got a guitarist I with you like on those days.
0: Yeah. And you hit, yeah. you've so got a, you got a guitarist with you most of the time or do you yeah, play? The, like, so
1: Sunday and Mondays, it's actually Ross. It's he and I are a duo together. Right. And on uh, Tuesdays, it's my friend Gabe right now. So
0: nice. So Nashville yeah. is somewhere where if somebody is proficient and going to be a professional, they can actually go there and, and actually work they can actually m- make a living, get by and maybe get discovered, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, the discovery thing is is um I think it's like a, it's a difficult thing because I don't know if the the guys who are the quote-unquote discoverers necessarily end up on Broadway. I feel like there's like there's a section of town called Music Row and I feel like a lot of them go to that area too, which is more like singer-songwriter rounds and okay. stuff like that, but um But definitely, I mean, if you are a musician, and you're listening, and you're thinking that you want to, you know, come and get your feet wet, Broadway is definitely a good place to do that. And there's so much space for musicians to come and play. Excuse me. Um, There's probably on any given block, I would say there's probably 15 honky tonks. Wow. And most honky tonks have three different floors, and each floor has live music. So you know, and the live, we, it starts at 11 in the morning and it goes until two o'clock in the morning. So there is so, when we do four hour sets, so there's so much space and so much time for people to come in and, and play. And, you know, there's, there's room, there's enough room for everyone. So if anyone's listening that wants to come and try it, I highly, highly recommend it.
0: What's your dream gig? I know you've planned it out in your head, but tell me, um, tell me about your dream gig.
1: Well, I think just because I'm here and I can hear it from my window, there's a, there's an, a, a an amphitheater here it's called the send uh amphitheater i think playing that place would be pretty amazing or the the main state stadium here the uh, bridgestone um something like that i would also love to play red rock and then Ooh. you know something like something like bonnaroo so
0: that's awesome yeah red rock is somewhere that i put that on my list last year i was doing yeah. some traveling out west and, and out west is so different than back east it just it just is. The topography is different. The people are different. The food's different. The beer's different. Everything's different when you go out West. And yep. I know some yep. people try to say, well, it's not, but I'm telling you right now, the best thing you could ever do uh, with your family, your friends, your loved ones is travel, 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 yeah. travel, you know, and listen to good music, right?
1: Yep. hundred percent. I mean, that's, I think that's a big part of the reason why I love music so much is because being from Canada, it's not, it's not uncommon to jump in the car and travel for a few hours to go to the neighboring town right and i'm talking like two to three to four to five hours you know and i mean that's kind of the soundtrack of my life was road trip in half of the half of it you know i love i'm still to this day like when i had to go home for covid i drove my car home instead of flying and then i drove back down here and it was a five-day road trip and i had my cats with me but it was still It was, you know, stressful and all the things that go along with that. That a road trip of that length, but it was some of the best memories I've, I have of, doing any kinds of those things. That was a solo trip, right? What's that? That's
0: a solo trip too, right?
1: Yeah. uh, The first one was the second. The first, sorry, the first two were this, and the third was not. I had a friend fly up to Seattle and visit me, or I picked him up in Seattle and he did the road trip home with me. But, um, but yeah, the first two were solo. I think exactly. that that's
0: an important thing that people need to do is um, give some of themselves to themselves yeah. long enough to where you stop thinking about, did I turn the iron off? Did I pay my light bill? Did I call this person? Did I call that person? You go through your your favorites on your iPhone and then you're left with you. yeah And I think that's such an important thing that people don't give themselves and i'm, I'm yeah. glad i'm glad to hear that you, that you did that that's that's good that you traveled that I feel, I far i feel
1: like that's a big part of the the culture that you're in too though is and then why it's become so popular um is because you're out on the open road and there is only you on that bike yeah. you're only sitting by yourself and you're taking in the elements and i mean some people listen to music while they're doing that kind of stuff and I don't know. I I personally don't ride just because I'm a little too afraid afraid of it, but um, but I can, I absolutely understand the allure of it for sure.
0: I have to tell you a funny story. So this goes back several years um, and then we'll wrap, but I, you talk about uh, talking while you're riding and not being able to do it. And this is, I had a guy come into the motorcycle shop and he was like, Hey, do you sell helmet communicators? And I'm like, Uh, I I don't have any, I mean, I, you know, the technology wasn't there for bike to bike. It was just rider to passenger. And I said, dad, you know, what, what do you want one of those for? He goes, well, when I'm riding with my wife, I I can't talk to her. And I thought, man, I think you're missing, I think you're missing (laughs) the brilliance of the motorcycle ride. (laughs) Oh, I mean,
1: That's, that's a lovely story. That man
0: must really love his wife. And I think that's adorable. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I was, of course it was another classic Jason Hallman, open your, open your mouth, insert your foot. Um, (laughs) Cash Crawford's new single save myself comes out May 27th. You can pre-save it on Spotify and you can pre-save it on Apple iTunes, which I have done. I'm super excited. I have to tell you, I'm, the, the email that I got from your management company came with this big disclaimer. Now, please understand that this is, I'm like, I promise I'll delete it afterwards, but I, I, I'm very happy for you. And I'm, I'm very happy to have met you. And maybe someday I yes. can meet you face to face, but I do thank you for, for, for the time today. And uh, man, where can we follow you at on, on make sure that we're, we're, we're following up with you on Instagram and on the Facebook yeah. and all that stuff. Where are you at?
1: um cash crawford pretty much all across the board anywhere you search there you'll be able to find me um i think i'm i am cash crawford on facebook but everything else is cash crawford and um if you go to my instagram as well and you click the link in my bio that will take you to a pre save link for whatever your um streaming device streaming service of choice is so you can also find the music and stuff there too but thanks so much for having me on your show i really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me as well
0: no i do appreciate it and uh you have i wish you all the all the success in the world and uh, i will be sharing this with everybody so thank you awesome. very very much have thank a great day
1: you. i appreciate you too thank you
0: all right bye-bye.
1: bye bye